Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all these things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for those... As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is second death. Praise be to God for his grace and his mercy. Today and for the next couple of weeks, we will be ending our Doctrine Matters series. And we'll be talking about eschatology, or the end times. We will be talking about how God will end history. And we will start with talking about today, in terms of where we are in history, and then the future, in terms of when Jesus returns, and what the last, last days of all of eternity will be like, for all humanity. I think this is a very interesting subject for all of us because we want to know whether there is a reason for history and whether there is a reason for each and every one of our lives. Many of us live our lives in this world, in this country, simply trying not to get into trouble. When I look at the names and the faces here, I could probably say that very few of you have ever gotten in trouble with the law, that very few of you have spent a night in jail, and very few of you have been sentenced before a judge and sent to prison for a period of time. For all of us, that would be a sign of shame. For all of us, it would be a, a huge turning point in our lives, for, for it would change everything about who we are. Yet, the world that we live in and the biblical idea of the world that we live in is that one day, there will be a judgment day that none of us can escape. In other words, 
all of us will be before the Lord one day, before the judge, and every single person will have to give an account of their life. And then God himself will declare people righteous or unrighteous. This legal perception or idea of the world is very foreign to the um, religions of other world of, of the, the other religions of this world. This idea of a finality, this idea of a judgment, and in fact, the modern person recoils at the knowledge or at the fact that anyone could judge us as human beings. But the matter of fact is that one day, all of us will have to stand before the Lord. Now, until that day comes, we need to talk a little bit about what it means to live in this present time and what happens when people pass away. When people pass away, are they before the throne of God right now? When people pass away, are they judged by God right now and thrown into everlasting judgment or everlasting righteousness? Where are all these people? Where is Abraham right now? Where are our loved ones right now who have passed away before us? And what are they waiting for? And are they waiting for the same thing, perhaps, that you and I are waiting for? Now, Scripture calls this, or we call this state, the intermediate state. When people pass away, they are what we call in the intermediate state. First Thessalonians speaks about this. They Paul calls these people as people who have fallen asleep, that they are asleep with the Lord. Now, when people die at this juncture of, of, uh, of, of redemptive history, there are two places that they go. For those who know Christ Jesus, for those who are waiting for Jesus to come, they are now with Jesus Christ, with him in the spiritual intermediate state. They do not have their resurrected bodies as of yet. They are not in full perfection as of yet. They have not been declared fully righteous as of yet, for they have not received the fullness of what it means to be with Christ as of yet. And yet they are with Jesus in this intermediate state, in their, simply with their spiritual, um, and, and simply in spirit with Jesus. Now, Paul says, talks about this in Philippians chapter 1, when he says, listen, I would rather right now be with Jesus. Life here is hard. I would rather be with Jesus in spirit and fellowshipping with him and fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters with him 
than to stay here on this earth ministry. But for your sake, I will stay. So we know that when people pass away who know Jesus, when the people of the Old Testament passed away and were waiting for Jesus to come, that when Jesus died and resurrected and went to heaven, Jesus took with him all those people who were waiting, and they are now with him in the spiritual state, enjoying fellowship with him. Now, for those people who've passed away, who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who are enemies of the cross, they themselves are in a different place. Now, we, we sort of notice places as Hades or, or, or Gehenna. And there's a long history of that, but let's just, let's just stay here. And they are basically in waiting for the final judgment to come. Think of it this way. It's as if you have been found, um, that you have been arrested, and you are in jail. And you are waiting for your trial date to come up. But until that trial date comes up where you stand before the judge and your case is tried, you are in jail with other people waiting for your time to come. So these people right now are simply waiting in their spirit form and simply living a life, a spiritual life, apart from the Lord, in their own misery, knowing that they will be judged in the end, knowing that they will be found guilty in the end, but waiting until the Lord comes. This is the spiritual state that we are in right now. This is the spiritual state of judgment and of righteousness that we are in right now. Jesus came and took the righteous to be with him, enjoying fellowship. Those who are, those who are, are, are ready to be judged according to their sins are, are waiting themselves for the final judgment as well. But we know that to be with Christ in our spiritual state, in our state of our of spirit, is far better even than being here on this earth. We praise God in knowing that when we pass away in this life, when we ourselves are called to Jesus, that we will be with him and enjoy fellowship with him and we praise God that we will see him and we praise God that those who have followed him faithfully by his grace and his mercy are in fellowship with him at this moment. But we call this the intermediate state because it's not the final state. 
It's not the final state of the declaration of judgment. It's not the final state of the declaration of righteousness. They're waiting. The people in heaven are waiting. The people in Hades are waiting. And what, were we, what are we waiting for? Well, our passage in Revelation tells us what we are waiting for. We are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. We are, we are waiting for his return and the final statements of justice to all. Now, before we get into this legal aspect, and we will get into this in the next couple of weeks, let's look at verse 1 through 3. And let's look at what this picture of the new of Jesus' final coming will look like. The first thing that the writer John tells about in, in his vision about the about the, the final end times is that in verse one he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And the sea was no more. So the first thing that John saw was that the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now, think about this. What John is saying is that, go back to Genesis chapter 1. When Jesus, when God says, I will create the heavens and the earth. Now, when we think about the heavens and the earth, we need to think about all of creation, both the spiritual realm or the unseen realm, the invisible realm, but also the visible realm, the corporal reality, the, 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 the fleshly reality, the, the matter that is around us, all of creation that we see here today. This is the first heaven and the first earth. This is where we're living. This is where uh, we live out our days today. This is what John is referring to. When he says the sea was no more, this is more of, of, a, of, a, of a mythical understanding or a literary understanding of the fact that the sea represented in the Old Testament chaos. The sea in the Old Testament represented, if we can use the term in physics, entropy that things just get more and more disordered. And this is the fact that, you know, the ancients, when they looked at the Mediterranean Sea, they saw that as a, as a place of, of chaos, a place of, of death, a place that we shouldn't even venture towards. And so what, what John is seeing is that this reality is no more, and chaos or entropy, is no more as well. But he saw something else. He saw a new heaven and a new earth. He saw the holy city of Jerusalem coming down from the heavens. Now, this idea of heaven, this idea of, 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 of Jesus' return and what it looks like, it, it, it's very different from what most of us think about as heaven. Most of us think about heaven as simply the spiritual state. Most of us think about heaven as simply 
we, we pass away, our bodies rot here, and we are in spirit with Jesus forever and ever. But that's not the picture we have of the New Testament. In the New Testament, that's not the picture that John gives us of what the second coming of Jesus looks like. When the second coming of Jesus is here, everything that was supposed to be the way it is will be torn down and a new new city, a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation will be built. You could think of it as, well, is, is getting a new house. You lived in this new house, old house long enough. This old house, old house has broken down. Plumbing doesn't work. Electricity doesn't work. The lawn just is out of control all of the time. You've enjoyed what, where you are, but the chaos keeps, keeps, keeps creeping in. And God says to you, when I return, I will raise your house. I will raise all of creation that you see here today. And this new city that I will be building, this new Jerusalem, this new heavens and new earth, new creation will be the perfect place for you and me. If you ever think about having that first home, many of you here are first-time homeowners, and you sort of enjoy being in a new place, but you know that it will break down you know that the maintenance is never ending. But one day, God is preparing for us a mansion where we will live forever and ever. The beauty of this is knowing that corporal reality is not evil, that your bodies are not evil. That creation is not here to, to be against you. But one day, your bodies will be completely, completely transformed. The new city will be completely transformed. Your new homes will be completely perfected. And we will live our days and all, for all of eternity in this perfected state. And you see, this is what those who have passed away, those who are asleep are waiting for as well. We share this in common for those of us who, are, who still live here today, those of us who've already passed away. We are connected with them, not only simply because we both believe, we all believe in Christ, but we're also connected because in that belief in Christ, we are still longing for the same thing. We are longing for Jesus' return. We are longing for the perfection of creation, the new creation, to be with us here today. There's a second thing, though. Because not only is God going to build the framework 
the new homes, the new creation, the new lands. He's not only going to build the framework when he returns, but the second thing that he does in verse 3 is that God will dwell with us. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. So he's going to create this whole thing for us. But he's not going to say, okay, you guys live here. I'm going to stay in my throne room in heaven. And every once in a while, I'll come down and, and we'll chat. This is not like in Genesis 1 and 2 where Jesus says, okay, Adam and Eve, you work this garden. I will come down every once in a while and walk with you. But in this perfected new heavens and new earth, God will dwell with us forever and ever. We will see God and God will see us. And we will walk with him and live with him. Remember last week, we talked about the, the ascension of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. And we could see that the disciples themselves, most likely, they understood what God's plan was. We need the Holy Spirit so the message of Christ can go to, to all the ends of the earth as quickly as possible. But there must have been a part of them that said, Jesus, I would rather you stay here. Just stay with us. Just stay with us. Just have fellowship with us. Just teach us. Just show us God's righteousness. Don't leave us. We saw that in the transfiguration of Jesus as well, when he went up to the mountaintop with, with a few of his disciples, and, and they saw Moses, and they, and they said, and they said, let us build booths here and stay here because the presence of, presence of you, Jesus, and you, Moses, and Elijah as well, let us stay here. You guys can live here and we can live together. You see, in this new heaven and this new earth, we will see Jesus face to face, and he will live amongst us. And we, with our glorified bodies, as we enjoy all of life, Jesus will be there in his glorified body. And together, we will fellowship forever and ever. You see, this new heaven and this new earth belongs to Jesus. This is not a place for anyone who will not bow their knee to Jesus. I love, it. I love the way John Piper said it. He posed the question like this. If in the new heavens and a new earth, if you had all your family, if you had the perfect house, if you had everything that your heart desired was there, best food, best recreation, best, I don't know, Netflix on that heavenly scale, entertainment. You had all these things, but you didn't have Jesus. 
Would that be heaven for you? And the answer to that is, scripturally, that's not heaven. Scripturally, that will become hell, the final judgment. But Scripture says, teaches us that it's not either or, but it's both and. But you can't get these things without receiving Jesus. But you receive Jesus and you love Jesus, then you receive all these things as well. And this new heaven and this new earth, thirdly, what it looks like, it says death will be no more, and, and that's true. There will no longer be, when we are living together, there will no longer be death. We no longer have to look to our mortality and wonder if we're going to die, whether there will be another judgment day whether there be another waiting for, for God's eyes upon us to tell us if we are righteous or unrighteous. And because of that, there's no mourning. There's no crying. There's no tears. There's nothing to fear because God has declared us righteous and we'll be living with him forever and ever in his grace and in his mercy. This new city of Jerusalem, this new place that we will live in is what all of us are looking forward to. Those in the intermediate state and those of us who live in this world, those who are waiting in spirit and those of us who still have our bodies with us, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth. We are waiting for chaos to disappear. We are waiting for our new city to come down. We are waiting for Jesus to, to be with us forever and ever. And we are waiting for that confirmed righteousness where we do no longer live in fear of judgment, which leads to death. We no longer live with, with, um, with anxiety. We no longer live in mourning or crying or tears because Jesus has come in perfection to perfect all that we long for. This is what we are waiting for, brothers and sisters. This is what the Lord has given to us. Could we ask for anything more? Is there anything missing? Is there anything that our heart would, would want more than this? God is gracious to us. God is preparing a home for you and I. Let us live this life knowing that this is just our first starter home. That one day this home will be raised to the ground. Let us not hold too tightly to the things of this world. But let us love people who are of eternity. Don't worry, your Father in heaven 
We'll build you a nice home. We'll build you a nice city. And he'll be there with you forever and ever. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the new city, the new heavens, the new earth that you are preparing for us. We thank you, Lord, that this is reality. The reality around here that we see is real too, Lord, but we confess that our interpretation of what we see is skewed, Lord God. This is not our final resting place. All of this will pass away. But Lord, you will make all things new. And Lord, we as your people will live together in perfect unity, worshiping you. Our hearts will be full of joy forever and ever. The fear of death will be no more. And because no fear of death, there'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more tears. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that this new place for us is for all of eternity. Lord, compared to the 80 plus, life, 80 plus years that, that most people live, Lord, Man, 80 years is nothing compared to living with you forever and ever and ever. And so, Lord, in our life that you give us here, Lord, may we live obediently to you. May we live joyfully, knowing, Lord, that eternity is ours. May we look forward in eager expectations of, of loved ones who have who've passed away, Lord, who've worshipped you and served you, knowing, Lord God, that we will be reunited with them for all of eternity. And we will rejoice in our new homes together, worshiping you and serving you all the days of our lives. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.